Hello and welcome to Thriving in the Age of Disruption with Dr. Ramesh. In this conversation, we're joined by a branding and creative design expert, Joshua Breidenbach, who is the co-founder and executive creative director of RISE, a Vietnam-based company that creates branding strategy and design. Do enjoy today's deep dive with Dr. Ramesh and Joshua into the dynamic world of entrepreneurship that explores the power of good storytelling, navigating crisis, and striving for sustainability as a system. Welcome to the Thriving in the Age of Disruption podcast series, Joshua. We're excited to have you here today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. We can start off by having you introduce yourself. Okay. I start with what I do. I have co-created a company in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam called Rice. And our focus is building brands. We partner with visionary business owners and, and organizations to bring clarity to what they do in a way that empowers teams inside of those organizations. And from that, we are able to build a strategy around how to construct the brand communication, visual identity, messaging. These organizations have so much to say and not enough space or time in which to do it. So a partner like us is interesting to bring on board to bring that message out. Branding is something that is seen as a external deliverable, but it really starts from that internal story. So I think I'm a storyteller. I'm also a bit of a campaigner. If I'm part of something that I believe in and somebody's doing something good that I want to be a part of, I'm quite fervent in being a useful partner in making sure that thing comes to life. That's great. And how old are your kids? I'm a father of two, very happily, very proudly. That sort of life-changing shift always brings that focus, making sure you're using your time well and doing something that may be important and lasting and make your kids proud. My daughter is seven and my son is 13 months now. Nice. There are two kinds of mindset that we need to have in today's world of disruption. Okay. And the first mindset is the entrepreneurial mindset. I define entrepreneurial mindset as one where we are being resourceful in life. We know how to define the right problem and go to work in finding the solution. Number two, be able to take risks and manage uncertainty. And number three is to create value, which is just not financial, but it can be other kind of value and not for just ourselves, but also for our other stakeholders. So what I wanted to do was to explore with you entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is a journey in getting that idea and making it into a business. And you've done both. I think that's a great introduction to entrepreneurial mindset. I think all entrepreneurs should be pretty proud, no matter the scale of their endeavors. Yeah, a mindset about taking risks, like you said, being committed, having a vision about something that is principled and you have a set of values around. I was always committed to creativity, to create solutions to problems or things that don't exist yet. It's all so huge and enticing and exciting. I was working in the United States in this branding industry and found a lot of answers to what I wanted to do there, being able to create visuals that no one had ever seen before and approach real business challenges and solving them with creative solutions. But it wasn't until I came to Vietnam that I saw that there wasn't this sort of prescribed way in which to do this kind of work. And then I'd started to discover this mode of branding, 
really amazing way of telling stories because you're also able to, through your clients' projects, talk to millions of people potentially. I went to art school, would consider myself an artist to some degree, but I think the practice in branding of creating things that people find artful, but that can send like a great message or touch millions of minds and maybe set the bar around what somebody thinks about a place. Brands can do that and land in a country you've never been to before and you start getting exposed to brands or the brand of the place itself. It's very powerful and, and it put a lot of responsibility on me, which I really appreciated. You highlighted some interesting aspects of your own background in the entrepreneurial journey. You shared how you bring creative solutions to a problem. And that's mm. what an entrepreneur does, right? Because we're Cross looking at problems and we're trying to solve that for our customer. And you shared your own vision for what entrepreneurship is about which is how do I tell the story from Vietnam to the rest of the world? Be that storyteller who sets the bar to excite people. You also talked about that great responsibility that's there with branding. How do you deal with that creative tension when you've got to create a brand which is inspirational by the current reality of that brand promise is nowhere close to it? Yeah, that's really interesting. In my role today, I get to work with all of these amazing visionary entrepreneurs and I select who we work with. We're going to spend six to eight months with, usually it goes really well and we end up working together for years and want to be part of that thing. And what we're doing to ensure that it's coming out authentically, it's coming out inspirational is that we're always centering around that future that brand imagines because they may not be there yet, but the work that we're doing is helping them get there. So there's a current reality, like you said, to use your words, there's a gap, there's a future, and we can start working on projects inside of that gap and work towards that future. So there's some reaching, but it also has to be really firmly rooted in what is authentically there within those people and what they're banded around. We, we do a lot of workshops. We get people together. What are we trying to do here? What's your part of that? And through that process, we actually find that teams come together even more. And it was this part of our work that we got really excited about what we're doing. And then it's just transmitting that out to the world. It's also something that those teams are able to all be banded around. Interesting. And share with us what's been the most eventful moment in your entrepreneurial journey. Wow. I wanted to be involved in things that were making an impact. We, we were involved in creating this quite well-known chocolate brand from Vietnam called Maru. And we always talk about that impact of people around the world picking up this package and saying, wow, I didn't know Vietnam did something like this. Early on, we did a big job with UNICEF that was very impactful. UNICEF was saying to us, we need to start soliciting funds from Vietnam because actually the funds are here, but nobody knows who we are. And we created this whole campaign that did, it raised a lot of money for their causes. So that was a moment that really sticks out to me too, that I'm not just making pretty pictures. I'm actually doing something. You've elevated the whole branding conversation with those examples. Thank you for that. The next piece is about a crisis-ready mindset. A crisis is a setback or a failure that we experience. And most times, when we come to that moment, we sort of freeze or run away. 
And the question is, when you face those crises, what do you do normally? We definitely faced some crises over the past couple of years. I think Vietnam had a bit of a delayed reaction from the rest of the world, from the pandemic. The earlier part of our experience, we were just focused on quality, building equity in what we're doing, building our brand as a fantastic partner. And we weren't extremely focused on business. We were profiting doing okay. We were taking care of the team well, which we're very proud of. We were able to hire people whenever we need and we're getting by. Then suddenly no one was signing on for projects and all of our retainer work halted. Okay. Not much backup there. Amazingly, we remained completely committed. Being so focused on the integrity of our work and, and our business got us to a point where that was the expectation from us and people around us were supportive. That was paramount. However, we're very concerned about how are we going to make it? I'm still having these personal crises saying, God, I really am so naive. Like I'm just this guy. All he cares about is doing something good for this brand and something that's meaningful and we need to just really just make some money. And we pivoted. We've always been, I would say, like on the edge of what's possible in the market and branding. We've always been the most expensive not because we're trying to be expensive, but because we're just making sure that we're compensated properly. A lot of companies are saying, there's a lot of other branding companies there too who do what you do for a lot less. We were in a very vulnerable position when this happened. So we did find that we can do packages for startups where we don't have to do this moving of a mountain in terms of all of this internal alignment work. We can leverage what we've learned throughout the years and give startups just what they need to get going. And we got that kind of package started and we did it, I think maybe once, twice, but actually business started to pick back up for us for what we actually love to do and want to do. I think there were moments where we thought we might lose the business, but we're still ourselves. We made it through. And I guess the mindset was just stay committed and stay focused. What do you think had you stay grounded? Was it the vision of Rise? Yeah, it was definitely the vision. Our focus is the branding work, but we, we see ourselves as a, com a creative company that does all kinds of things around that core. We worked with a, a local company here that we created the brand for called Plastic People. They create materials from 100% upcycled plastic waste. And we had done the brand for them and they, they were struggling. Uh, they have their own challenges because the material is actually seen as expensive because it's still a bespoke made kind of thing. And our team came together and designed this extraordinary furniture. We wanted to show what was possible with those materials through design and, and be really like talking about sustainability. And, and our team did a beautiful job and we created our own brand. I meant to introduce the furniture to MoMA. It's real fantastic design piece. There was a lot of interest in Japan. It's in the Panasonic Museum. So these things can come out of our studio, the people that are around us, I think really helped us keep grounded. We certainly weren't generating revenue from this, but just that everyone was banded together. From your perspective, you're responsible for staff, salary, in your family, you've got to keep your cool. You've got to look like everything is together. 
But then that's the burden that you are carrying. So what had you be grounded? What sort of practices you developed? Because you can't do those practices in that moment of crisis. It's yeah. has to be something that you've been doing before that becomes part of your daily life. I was reading more. I was introduced to some really great books, sometimes stories of people in history that went through extreme crises and stayed committed to what they were committed to. That puts things in order. Also, just exercise, actually running, being in touch, what your physical body is capable of and clearing the mind. So I think probably meditation through exercise, reading, and spending time with family. I think taking care of the family requires that security that was more and more at risk. But something about also feeling everything passes. The only constant is change. That's really great because self-affirmation and mantras are important. Yes. I'm actually writing a book on crisis-ready mindset. And even just saying the only constant is change and this will pass can inspire me. Right? Yes. And actually identifying what is the absolute worst that can happen. Thinking about it and actually being in touch with it. I was in touch with losing my company with what we would do if we had to move. All of these things, thankfully, weren't at the doorstep all the way, but being in touch with them and actually being okay with kind of letting go. I'm still myself. I'm still talented. Rice has been a system of daily practice that has connected me to all kinds of things, creative and all kinds of opportunities. We're just surrounded by opportunity all the time. So being in in touch with that, looking around, getting your head up above water. It's not always easy to do, but I was able to see what would happen maybe if I let go and that rule, figure things out. That's really moving because in the process of letting go, in facing that reality of I could lose this and I have to do something else, I think what you really got connected to was who you are. When I had that moment for myself, way back in my 30s because of a personal crisis that I had. It was so liberating because anything could happen and I knew who that me was. It's like a badge of confidence that no one can take away from you. I can definitely connect with that. I'm so glad to hear that you had that moment. What is spirituality for you and where are you in your journey? I grew up in a household that was not religious at all. Jewish immigrant. My grandparents left Europe and came to America. My parents didn't practice any real religion growing up. Now I'm married to a woman who grew up Buddhist. and I find that very a very comfortable way of looking at the world. We, we practice various Buddhist ceremonies, especially for the family. I find that really interesting because it's holistic and thinking and systems and very peaceful and in touch with nature. Being spiritual, yes, I am. Maybe I'm just at the beginning of a journey. I've always found spirituality and the connections between me and people that I find unexplainable and fantastic and amazing. Yeah. All the best with that journey. I want to move on to a related point, and that is living a simple life. Do you think it's possible to do that? Simple life for me would certainly be focus on the family and being really tuned in. It's observing my children and my wife and my family and actually connecting 
I've had four meetings here today. They were great. They happened. Now I've moved to this wonderful discussion. And then I will go home and first of all, consciously say I'm home. I'm going to look into everyone's eyes and I'm going to connect as much as possible because there's one thing at a time, this idea of focusing on the moment, being in the moment, something like when you're walking, walk, when you're eating, let's eat, when we're playing, let's play. That's simple. We're enjoying it and getting the most out of it. Yes, that's true. Especially when we watch our children grow up from being babies to kids, to teenagers, to adults. So you've articulated simple life as being conscious, being focused, but more importantly, taking the time to enjoy that one thing at a time, being in the moment. No multitasking here. That's great. What are your views about sustainability? It's a very big topic. People tend to think of packaging and straws and plastic through working with partners that are experts in sustainability. They've really opened up my mind about how sustainability is really a system. It's all about harmony, really. It's all about being autonomous yourself, but also ensuring resilience around you. So thinking in systems, thinking big, how is what I'm doing affecting the other and what I'm doing day in and day out? How can I do that better? It's a really big topic. We take the view that sustainability is about the ongoing thriving of a living system. We are all made up of subsystems and everything we do is interconnected. And sometimes there are unintended consequences. And if we understand sustainability from that perspective, then the world becomes a better place, like you said, rather than just focusing on one aspect, which is all about climate crisis. There are other aspects of the environment, the social and the governance piece, which is also important for our next generation. That's right. Yeah, it can be pretty overwhelming, but it's important to pull back and begin to see those connections and those systems working with systems and all those little minutiae of details throughout your life that are, of course, part of the systems and that you can do something about. It can be also just taking little actions here and there. That's right. Those little actions are really where and how each one of us as an individual can contribute to making that big change over time. We now have the top of the mind kind of questions that you don't have to overthink. You just say the first answer that comes to mind. I'll try my best. Okay. What's your favorite book? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That always stumps people, even though they read a lot of books, right? There's a book that's always stood out to me. It's like required reading in high school, Um, A Clockwork Orange. There's a Stanley Kubrick film made of it. The incredible story behind the book is the writers went through a crisis. We witnessed an attack on his family and he was very hateful towards the attackers and somehow he was forgiving them or letting go by creating this book, writing this book about these hooligans, basically. And he went so in depth, he created a language for them. He created the most incredible characters and you almost also hate them, but at the same time you forgive them. Wow. What a work of art that is. The depth of the humanity of that book. Yeah. And maybe that's my favorite book. That's great. And what's your favorite travel destination? Ooh, I have so many places to go. I'm really happy to still be living in Vietnam. And there's still many places for me to visit in Vietnam. I love the warmth of people. I love the stories of humanity. 
coming through challenge and maintaining a real light. And you find it everywhere you go. That's still my favorite place. And I live here. That's really great. So if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Maybe Yoko Ono. Okay. What's your guilty pleasure? I guess watching nature documentaries. That's how I veg out. And if you could have any superpower, what would that be? To speak any language. Okay, then what's the worst advice that you've ever received? Sell your company. Okay, that's a good one. All right. That's great. We've done all these questions. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ramesh and Joshua, for taking us on that journey through entrepreneurship, creativity, crisis resilience, and the interconnectedness of life. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur looking for inspiration to overcome the challenges in your life or simply curious about the stories that shape the change makers of our world, this podcast series is your gateway to a world of insight and inspiration. Be sure to subscribe to the Thriving in the Age of Disruption podcast or follow Dr. Ramesh on LinkedIn and other social media so you too can become a part of Dr. Ramesh's Thriving Network.